Ever wonder what the dog in your life is thinking? Well, join me, Liz Murdoch, animal communicator, talking with the dogs and finding out what dogs want people in their lives to know and understand. I've spent my life talking and listening to animals. So if you consider yourself a dog person or just happen to have a dog, I'm here to help you learn how to talk or listen to the dogs in your life. I chat with people too, sharing stories and tips on exactly how animal communication or being a dog whisperer makes an impact at home or when working with the dogs. So welcome to Talking with the Dogs podcast, a place where we uncover exactly what dogs want us to know and celebrate that every dog has a story. This episode is brought to you by Noble Pet Foods. No nonsense, no bull. Go to noblefoods.com, use promo code DOGTALK15, and they'll deliver dog food to your house with Noble. So welcome to Talking with the Dogs. Today, I have Jennifer Maurer, who is a dog trainer. She's an accredited dog trainer. She lives in St. Louis, Missouri, but she does dog training all over the world, like many do now with the virtual availabilities that we've had to come to discover with um, the COVID. But Jennifer's here today to talk about training with love. And she has come up with her own five-step program that she uses in training that fosters a deeper connection, which many of you know I'm all about. And we also have her dog, Gabe, with her, who's going to give some insights on what he's observed about her training and also just life with her that he wants y'all to know. Oh, her company is Pet Impact, by the way. Um, so I know some of my listeners like to write things down at the very beginning. So Jennifer, welcome to Talking with the Dogs. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and Gabe is super excited too. We haven't done anything like this before together. So um, new and I can't wait to hear more about his thoughts. So this is good. Perfect. Okay. So Gabe's working on waiting for his, his hot dog. He says it's hard. What he wants people to know right off the bat is that being patient is hard for per people when they are training their dogs. It's hard for the dog to wait, but he wants people to remember that even though you're frustrated, the dog is too. And that's why it's so important to be patient because we're both learning. It's not about one person learning more than the other. And he says, people forget he's witnessed it. I guess he goes with you sometimes on your training sessions. Yeah. And he's actually um, corrected some dogs for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. He says he has to step in, but he doesn't do it too often. Nobody does. So yeah, he steps in, but he wants, he says, people forget that it's just as hard for the dog to be patient as it is with them. It's a mutual frustration. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Gabe, you're going to, you're working on the hot dog thing right now. I'm going to take Well, I, yes, I will take the hot dogs away because he's obviously too focused on that. So I want to talk to Jennifer too about your training that is sort of unique because I've worked with trainers. I have three dogs and I have trainer colleagues and in conversations, a lot of people talk about their methodology, whether they specialize in reactive dogs or separation anxiety. I love what you do is your mission is to help people train with love. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so basically, um, my approach is 
talking to people about loving your dog, that it's not only about how you feel towards them. So a lot of people think that loving your dog is an emotion and really it's also an action you take as it relates to the care you give them mm-hmm. and specifically your approach to teaching them. So when you say you love your dog, I have created five ways of expressing that love for your dog as it relates to training your dog. Um, there are other great ways to show your dog love, but these are my five ways as you start training with a dog. So a lot of people think, oh, I love my dog. I love to cuddle. I've talked to people, oh, my dog doesn't want to cuddle as much as I do, but I just love him so much. I want to cuddle. Or we snuggle on the couch. You're talking about using love in the way we train our dogs. Absolutely. And what does that mean? How is that different from just practicing, teaching my dog to sit and you do the, you practice and you use the, the treats or whatever your way of praising them is and giving them feedback that they're right. How, how does love make the difference? Yeah. And you know, for love, you know, like you said, it isn't about what you're getting from the dog. It's about what you're giving to the dog. Mm-hmm. So there's five um, ways that you can show your dog you love them through training. The first one I have is accept your dog for the individual they are both their strengths and weaknesses, just like with people, right? We love them. And that includes understanding your dog's breed and the the behaviors that come along with that breed. Also, you have to remember that just because dogs have their own unique, that each dog has their own unique personalities and traits that aren't always related to the breed itself. A lot of times people put things on the dog because of its breed without really taking the dog as the individual they are. Yeah, I have two. And and that's a really good point, especially for people. We have a lot of people now who are first time dog owners and they think, oh, I'm going to get it. Like I have two labs and they are so different. So I think that's what you're saying is that if you get a dog, are you thinking of getting one because of just the breed and reputation, you might be surprised when it comes to training it, that its personality is not really as much of the breed that you thought it might be. Is that absolutely, absolutely. And it's really about loving your dog means you're working on understanding that individual and mm-hmm. that they are, and then you are creating an environment for them that will thrive. So understanding them first, their strengths and their weaknesses. So for example, Gabe is a herding dog. He's a Shetland sheep dog and he loves to herd things. Mm-hmm. So I don't put, Gabe doesn't like to wrestle with other dogs. So when he has playtime, I make sure that he's in a situation where he can chase other dogs or herd other animals Mm -hmm. Um, that's specific to him. And that's what he likes to do. He has some other traits that I really have to understand that that's him as an individual and how do I create an environment around him that supports him and helps him thrive rather than having um, him him just reacting to everything. Does that make sense? It does. So I got a download from him about his muddy paws that he loves to uh, run, like whether it's water or the splashing and you've had to make accommodations for the muddy paws. Yes. Is that something that yes. you've had to do with the towels and the yes. grooming and cleaning? And it's a, ha- he says it's a big hassle because it splatters when he shakes. Well, the thing about Gabe is he has four white paws. Uh-huh. Um, my first dog, Simone had four white paws. And when I found Gabe, I chose him because of his four white paws. Mm-hmm. So yes, those four paws, even if it's not raining, get dirty really easily. And so I'm constantly having to clean his paws and um, they're very pretty. 
Yeah. So that's a, for those of you who are listening about the animal communication part, I got an image of his paws being dirty and wet and you cleaning them off. And I've never met Gabe, so I can, and I can barely see him. So that was just a download um, of what he was sharing with me visually that he said that, oh, he's tying it back to your patience too, that when we embrace who our dogs are, sometimes that we are called to draw upon patience because you have to be patient with him. And sometimes his paws get dirty and he says it's untimely that you have to stop what you're doing and, um, make time in your schedule. It's not that you do it right then and there, but you have to make time in your schedule when you weren't planning on it. Well, I think while you're getting this, Liz, mm-hmm. actually is that Gabe got grooms today. Ah, so I'm so. Sure there's some energy in there because it's not his favorite thing to do. Yeah. But I think some of what you're, you're getting, picking up is that he had a very exhausting day getting groomed. So, well, he's definitely tying the whole pause thing into being patient. Okay. Well, that's interesting because mm-hmm. the next thing I was going to talk about is patience. Yeah. So, um, with dogs, patience is a virtue. Every dog learns at their own speed. It is critical that when you are training, you have complete control of your own emotions. Getting angry and frustrated only causes your dog more stress and doesn't allow them to learn in a loving environment. Put yourself in their shoes. Would you like someone to use that tone of voice with you? Interesting. So it's like Gabe wants to join in. He's talking about tone of voice and imagining that. And he says what he's noticed when people come to dog training sometimes um, or on the Zoom, it's families or there's two people and they're like, and people will say, see, I told you or how do you deal with families when one person might be really loving and the other person might be like, Oh, come on. What is this love thing? We just need to get, he needs to sit. He needs to obey. How do you deal with that when there's more than one person? And sometimes people have different styles or expectations. Well, we've kind of talked about this. I always tell people, I call myself a dog trainer for marketing purposes only. Mm-hmm. And if we finish my sessions and I asked you how many times I corrected the dog, you would say you never corrected the dog. And yeah. if I asked you how many times I corrected you, I, you would say all the time. So I pretty much put it out front that I'm not there to train the dog, that I'm there to coach the people. So mm-hmm. when people, you know, and, and most people know that it's trained with love when they come to me. So yeah. there's not a whole lot of surprises, but to your point, I'll get family members you know, maybe the father isn't into it. The mother is, the kids are, but I put that out front that I'll be coaching you. And so I will coach people. Most of what I do is coaching people on body language and tone of voice on and their body language, their body language and tone of voice. What I tell people is I went to Africa to an animal sanctuary mm-hmm. and the woman there said to me, we're not smart enough to learn their language, but they're smart enough to learn ours. And it's our job to teach them our language. So what I tell my clients is, as your dog's leader, you're responsible for the communication. You're responsible to teaching them how to communicate. And then you're responsible on how you effectively communicate to your dog. So that's so interesting. So like, I know there's Lily Chen's book on the doggy body language and mm-hmm. people are talking about it and, and other trainers, but it's, it's like the next book is going to be about people, body language for dogs or dog, something yeah, to that that's extent. My that, approach. I don't go walk into a house and focus on the dog. 
Yeah. The problem, the first thing I do is look at the person and say, have you done this? Have you done this? How are you talking to your dog? When do you treat your dog? Do you give your dog exercise? What does play look like for your dog? It is all about my clients. Um, the dog, and then the dog responds to that, right? Right, right. And their behavior changes because their people have changed. You know? Yeah. So part of dog training is, is in the dog relationship is watching our own body language, which many people hadn't really thought about. Absolutely. And that's, I, I don't like calling myself a dog trainer for that. You yeah. Know? That's yeah. why I, I, I think a coach is a nice word. Definitely. I'm coaching the people and I'm coaching the dog. Right. So I'm right. Still doing both. Um, and it's, it's teaching as well, but it feels more like coach is the right word. Coaching the person how to train their dog. Cause mm-hmm. the person well, coaching oh, the person on how to communicate with their dog. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're sort of taking training out of the whole vocabulary and it's like working on our partnership. Yeah. I, I always tell people, um, training, conditioning, all that sounds like you're doing something to your dog and you're getting your dog to do something. Right. But I want people to concentrate as doing something with your dog, communicating with your dog, mm-hmm. working with your dog. It's not just, oh, I got to change my dog and get them to do this, this, yeah. this, and this. It's really about, I have to change myself. I have to have a relationship with my dog. I have to have a bond with my dog. I need to learn how to communicate with my dog. Um, yeah. Think of it that way. That's how, like I said, the woman in Africa that's what she thought she was doing with the animals there. And that was lions and tigers and zebras and monkeys. She was very clear that she was not training them and that it was a communication thing. How, like, how are we going to live together? So you bring a dog into your house and say, this is a house. This is how we're going to do this. Here's a bed. You can sleep here. And then language, right? Like, yeah. how, how do we teach them language? How, you know, nine times out of 10, when a dog's not doing something, that we want them to do. It's that you didn't teach them. I had one woman say, we're going to get rid of this puppy because it's a bad puppy. And I said, well, what did the puppy do? And she mm-hmm. said, well, it ate a shoe. And I was like, well, they all eat shoe. Right. But then she said, I told it, leave it. And it didn't leave it. And I said, well, did you teach it what leave it meant? And she was like, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, when you were a child, your mom just didn't, you went to school and you learned what words meant and what the you know meaning of that was. Well, that's really what we need to do with dogs, right? Once they understand, they'll do what you want them to do, but it's our job to teach them. Yeah, and, and being the consistent, I, I've told people when they're, when I have a session and, and it gets into training and I'll say, you know, I'm not a trainer, but I can tell you that your words have to be consistent that, you know, if you're going to say off the couch, then it's off. But if you start saying no, and so it's important for families to figure out what words they're using to mean things in the house, the whole family sort of needs to know the vocabulary. Is that right. And something- I think that we can, I'm sure this is probably another conversation, but I actually don't believe in correcting dogs. I mm-hmm. tell my clients never to use the word no. Mm-hmm. Dog. Yeah. So, well, I, I was always taught to save it for emergencies. Like if there's a, mer- that's the only time you would use it if there was an emergency, but that's, that's an interesting, um, that you never use it. Well, the reason why is that no has different context to it. It can mean different things. Mm-hmm. And so when you tell your dog, no, they might not understand what it is, or if they do understand, 
what you haven't done is told them what you wanted them to do. It's like if you're an accountant and someone came up to you at work and said, no, yeah, would you know what they were talking about? And would you feel anxious and maybe, so instead I teach cues like leave it or off, which gives them something to do. Leave it replaces no like 75% of the time. So yeah. instead of telling them, no, don't dig or no, don't bark, I can say, leave it back away from a situation. Yes. And I can reward for leave it, but you can't really reward for a no because it was a correction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I work. I don't leave my clients stranded without something to work on. So they have cues mm-hmm. that'll give their dog something to do, but they always have to come up with a cue of giving them something to do. What was that? Okay. Well, He's guarding me right now. Yeah, I can see it. Yes. Something going on outside. I think there's fireworks. It's okay. Thank you for guarding me. It's okay. Leave it. Good boy. So go on. What what are your other points? Okay. My other points are show affection. Treats are not the only way your dog knows that you have done something. They have done something you like. Praise and physical affection are just as important. Many times we are so treat focused that we forget about giving your dog the verbal and physical rewards they want and need. Tell your dog how wonderful they are and give them a pat on the head or a belly rub for a job well done, or better yet, just because you love them. And the important thing to know about that, what I really want to reiterate to people is that your dog, it's important to tell them how how wonderful they are, even when they're not performing. Mm-hmm. Right. We always want to say, good job. You're great. When they do something you want. And what I always tell people, I come up to game and I'll say, you're wonderful. I love you just the way you are. Just an unconditional love for him. So that it doesn't matter. He didn't have to do a sit for me to tell him how wonderful he was. And I also tell people when they get puppies to wait before they start training so that you can tell them how wonderful they are and bond with them. So it's not performance-driven relationship. It's yeah. a based relationship. And then you can start into performance. Well, it's interesting. I know that I've heard different people have, you know, no dog training before 12 weeks or wait till, you know, people have different age requirements. Do you have an age requirement or is it a bonding requirement that not till you've ha- known each other for a certain number of weeks? Do you have a it's recommendation? Both. Okay. Um, it's two weeks minimum that you have to have had the dog. Okay. But if it's a puppy, they have to be 10 to 12 weeks old. Got it. Yeah. That so makes sense. Got the puppy, you know, so yeah. it's, a little, it's a little bit of both, but no so, matter what age they have to have the dog for two weeks. Got it. That's, that's good. Do you think it makes a difference? I mean, it, I mean, it must, but what kind of a difference do you see dogs that have been, that get, like, oh, I love you. And they get praised just for being a good dog. Like I will look at my dog across the room. If I'm on like on a, um, listening to a clubhouse room and he's looking at me and I'll say to him, I'm on mute and I'll say, oh, Teddy, you're so good. Just to engage with him. So he's knows that I'm engaged. We're in the same room and he'll blink his eyes back at me and knock it up. And we just have a moment and he's very happy. And I'm wondering what kind of a difference do you see with dogs that only get positive feedback when it's performance-based? Are there a lot of dogs like that? Well, a lot of people are training that way. Yeah. And, and that's all they do. 
Yeah, and a lot of people, but here's the thing, like you said, just because he's a good dog. And what I like about the word, word wonderful, mm-hmm. the word I use a lot is good is about performance. Mm-hmm. You're a good dog, you perform. Wonderful is your being and your essence is mm-hmm. wonderful. It doesn't matter if you performed or whatever you did, you're wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I think I like using that word. Do I use good? Yes, as a marker. And it's how right. it's not a bad word, but I also think dogs need to know, they need to hear, I love you. They need yeah. to hear they're wonderful. They need to feel unconditional love unrelated to training. And that's what that was about with the affection. Yes, yeah. you do it in, in training, but you also need to do it outside of training when your dog is just like you said, laying there and just being a wonderful being. I love Gabe because he's a noble little creature and he's sweet and he um, is intelligent. There's all those things. Mm-hmm. When I work with the come cue, I little girl told me one time, I think when you give the treats, when they, when you call them to come, you should have to say three wonderful things about your dog. And so I do that when, when we do come for my clients that they have to say three things about their dog that they love um, when they're complimented. So dogs, can they get compliments? They can't. I mean, oh yeah, complimenting your dog and telling them how wonderful they are separate from what they are performing. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. I mean, it's, it's like if, if you've had children, anyone who, who listening, who has children and the difference that when children go to school, they get praised, but sometimes they just want to be loved or anyone, a a partner that when they come home from work, it's like, you don't want, as you know, a status report of praise, your annual review is like, yeah, it's nice to get feedback in the work environment, but it's also nice to just get like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're home. It's so so nice, to, yeah. it's nice to hear your voice, just acknowledging that. And we do that in our relationships and uh, we need to do that. I mean, I do that with my dogs, but I never thought about it. I mean, I, all the time, but yeah, I think for people listening who haven't considered it, it, it does make a difference. And I love how you're integrating that into your training. Yeah. Thank you. Connecting in training. You want to make sure that you're also connecting outside of training, right? It, it's supposed to be the joy of the game and how it feels in their body, whatever, you know, people are doing, whatever their gifts are, they're not to be just for performative reasons. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I like that. So, okay. So where are we? What number are we on? We are on number four and that is being firm can be loving. This is okay. Yeah. Love isn't all affection and treats being firm with your dog in the right circumstances can be one of the most loving things you can do for them. When I teach the leave it cue, I teach my human students how to use a firm authoritative tone of voice that their dog respects and listens to. There should be no anger or frustration in your voice, but a clear, confident, and firm tone. Assertiveness isn't aggression. It is just you communicating that you are the leader and that it is critical they listen and take your directive immediately. Mm -hmm. And I use that with the leave it cue, like I was doing with Gabe with hot dogs. It could be medicine you drop on the ground. It could be a dead squirrel. It could be something. Leave it. Leave it. Good. It could be a dead squirrel. It could be anything, but leave it. I always tell my clients to use a firm tone of voice. And that doesn't mean you're aggressive. It means you're authoritative and it could be danger, right? And they need to know that. 
leave it. Mm-hmm. So you're back to tone. Now, what about, um, well, I mean, this is more of a training thing about saying it one time versus leave it, leave it, leave it. Oh, you got to leave it. Um, when I'm like with Gabe, I only have to say one time usually, mm-hmm. but if they're not listening, you have to say it again. Right. Um, yeah. but really how I teach leave it, if I was a dog and I was asking another dog to back away from something, I would sound like this, right? If you hit that note, leave it, same tone, your dog understands what that means mm-hmm. and they'll leave it. So yeah. most of the time, if I'm having to say it more than once, it's because I haven't hit the right note. Yeah. They're very tone sensitive. Uh-huh. Got it. Okay. And number five, always end on a positive note. If your dog is becoming frustrated or bored with training, move on to a cue that will be, they will be successful at, and then stop your training. Pushing your dog when they are not in the mood doesn't help with the learning process. Show them you love them by respecting their current mood state, move on to something they are great at and give them a big reward to include lots of love and praise. Yes. I think that's where a lot of people, especially who are new to training, um, get, fr- get, that's get frustrated. It's like, oh, well, maybe you should have taken your dog for a, w- a walk to go to the bathroom before you start your focus training. Cause it needs time to just decompress uh-huh. if it's been at doggy daycare all day or whatever. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like today, perfect example. I was working with a puppy and we were going to learn four new things. And I had this sense, I asked the, oh, the pet parent, I said, you know what? Are you sure you want to learn all four today? because we've learned three and this is a young puppy and the woman's like I think she's smart she can do this let's do it let's do it and I said okay and we started working on stay and the puppy basically was like rough 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 I don't want to do this I'm done training and she goes is she done training I'm like yeah she's done training she doesn't want to do anymore which was my first instinct right did a quick watch and I said good we didn't end on the note that she uh-huh. exhibiting what we might consider negative behavior. We wanted to end on a positive note. So right. I said, let's do something that we know she can do easily, which she had just learned watch, watch game. Good. And then we ended on a positive note. And she got rewarded and praised for that. So that in her mind, when she ends that training session, oh, it was a great training session. I did a really wonderful thing at the very end and I got praised and I got some hot dog. Yeah. So end the session when the dog is ready, not when the person is ready. In the session when the dog is ready and then end it on a positive note. If they've mm-hmm. done, if they're doing something wrong, that isn't deserve to be rewarded, do something that they're really good at and reward them that. So the last thing on their training exercise is they got a treat for doing something wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Definitely. Definitely. No, that's good. I think it's interesting too. You know, I find this in my work with like when the person said, Oh, my dog's so smart. It's like, yes, a dog can be smart. Just like a child can be very smart, but we can also be done. And a smart dog might just be done today. Yeah, exactly. And, and it and has nothing work. to do with how smart it is or its future abilities. It's just like, it's done. It's real simple. And that's where like what you do is so wonderful that you're reading animals and like what you said about Gabe, you know, that it's hard for dogs and you have to be patient. Also, quit begging. Um, 
you know, it's important to listen to them. And when they're done, you know, if you've done, we did a half hour training, you know, it's a puppy. She's That's 12 weeks, you know, she was just like, I'm done, mom. I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm like, okay, it's totally fine. We have to respect the messages they're sharing. You know, that's an excellent point. And it might be point number six that I should have put on my list. And that is respecting your dog's boundaries, which I don't have on my showing love list, but you just gave that to me. Um, I think that's a big one, respecting their boundaries, right? We have yeah, boundaries. definitely. Yeah. And that can be tied to, you know, ending on a positive note and, and don't push them. Don't right. push them. So Gabe, do you want to add anything to any of this? Oh, oh, you think this is great. Um, Okay, so I I want more hot dogs. (laughs) Well, that too. But I think what I'm I'm getting from him that he's pointing out is that people like it simple. And that it's okay. Like when I added the boundary thing, he's like, it's okay. You don't have to worry about adding it. Same to anybody else is that when you keep it simple with your dog, the messages are um, clear. It's like what words you're going to use. If you're going to use leave it in your house, like we use leave it for anything that I want them to leave. And I always have, and it's so handy because now when, as the dogs get older, it's just automatic or you have a guest over in your house, you can inform your guests. Oh, that's the word we use. We use off at our house. We use off. If I want a dog off the couch, because another person wants to sit there. I'm like, Teddy off. Can you go get on your bed? Yeah. Gabe is like, he's a big believer in keep it simple. And that for those of you listening, this is from Gabe, that it's okay to go at your own pace with just one, if you're just working on one thing like weight and some dogs go at different paces. And so it's okay if you're keeping it simple, you don't have to move ahead. This is from Gabe. You don't have to move ahead if your um, classmates or dog mates, or even if it's individual, if your dog is going at a slower pace, um, go at a pace in dog training. Gosh, Gabe, you're wise. Go at, go at a pace of dog training that is good for your, uh, your dog as well. Gabe is very patient with my clients. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's correct some dogs, but um, he's very good with wonderful with dogs. And I can tell that when I'm working with them, um, he has the patience to let me take the time with the dogs that need the the extra time with. He's funny. I guess you have not always bought the same brand of hot dogs because some are spicier than others and are saltier. It's like, do do you know what I'm talking about? There's I use Oscar Mayer, but sometimes I can't get to Oscar Mayer. This is why he's like loving this. Uh-huh. My neighborhood grocery store does not sell Oscar Mayer hot dogs. Uh-huh. So Rob's and they're not as good. And he likes Oscar Mayer hot dogs. Yeah. He, like he's pawing at me tonight. So like, I really get these. I could tell the difference of the different hot dogs that you get because um, he, it's like, he's showing me people who want to know how it works. I'm getting an image of these different hot dogs and they, and the taste, some are juicier than others. And some, ha- you know, he's saying more fillers, whatever that means, but there's definitely like seasoning or spicy or salty. He notices a different, oh, and some are blander. So he, I guess the Oscar Mayer ones have a flavor that he likes better. Do you love the Oscar Mayer ones? You love them? It's more of a human experience that we like to try different treats with our dogs, but dogs 
Well, well, Gabe says we'll take whatever we can get, but no dogs actually do have preferences. And if you find as, as a dog person who's buying treats for your dogs, that your dog likes treat a, you don't need to go buy lots of different treats for your dog. They're fine with the treat that they have. And Gabe seems to want to advocate for that. Well, he does. And to be honest, Gabe does not get a lot of hot dogs. This is a special night for him. <laughs> oh, how funny. Well, he's loving it, but he has a preference on which hot dog. Is this the best podcast ever? Do you have any questions you want to ask him since we're doing this anyway? Yeah. Let me think what I want to ask him. I want to ask him the question about, um, does he feel like I spend enough quality time with him? And oh, he's like, don't worry about it. He's very proud of you and what you're doing, actually. Okay, good. And he knows you're making an impact. He says she's making a big impact. He's very much a fan of yours. So Gabe, what can you tell me or show me so she knows it's okay? Oh, he says on the days when you're gone longer and you don't have him with you. Well, one, he likes the alone time that he, he can really relax. Two, he says you always make it up to him. Aww. Another question I wanted to ask him is... Um, does he like his dog walkers? Because I have dog walkers who walk. Okay. Him. Oh, you have three dog walkers? Yep. Yeah, you have three dog walkers. There's like, there's one strong guy. There's a woman. And then is the other one a guy too? Yes. And the yeah. strong guy is the owner. Yeah. Yeah. He's... <laughs> He's like, he's much more capable. He feels like he likes going with him a lot. The woman, he's like, she's fun, but she's more tentative. She's new too. Oh, that's funny. She's more tentative. Yeah. And the other one, he doesn't see as much. Uh -huh. And he's more, um, oh gosh, I want to, it's sort of like he's, he listens to music or something. He's sort of yes. la la land. You're good, Liz. Thank you. Yeah. Isn't it sort of weird? There's something about the key in the door that he's, it's like, he's concerned about in the locking of the doors. Okay. So maybe this is it. Cause this could be my fear. My screen door is not shutting all the way. Yeah. And I'm worried that they don't lock my regular door. The cats could get out. Well, I almost said it's about the cats. Well, I asked him, what does you need to know? And he went to the door in the lock. The owner guy is preoccupied and the, the girl is a little too, that it's sort of like an accident waiting to happen. You know what? You're hundred percent right. Well, that's why I always do this. What does your dog want you to know? And this is what came up, right? What does he think of his groomer? The groomer. Okay. Okay. They have their own agenda on what they're doing on how they want him to be groomed. Okay. So they, oh, this is interesting. And I, and I get real picky about groomers. Okay. So his thing is that the groomer wants to style him a certain way and doesn't always pay attention to his preferences. And I guess it goes down to the pause, but not even just the pause. It's like up here too uh -huh. on the legs that, or maybe you have, he says it's his preferences, but the groomer has an agenda of how it should be done. And maybe there's two of them and they sort of argue about it. And, um, but he, and he doesn't really care in some ways. Oh, but he says he does care because I care. <laughs> Mommy cares. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but he's also more comfortable your way. 
because he gets hot and he moves better. I guess they like to leave more hair on in certain places. Okay. They're like, this is how it's done. And they like doing him because he is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's how you say it to them about he, I just noticed when he's groomed like this, he's so happy that they'll be like, oh, okay. That's awesome. Okay. Does that help? Yeah, a lot. This is fun. Okay, so Kitty here, what's this cat's name? This is Rex. Okay, Rex. Gabe, Gabe, what is it about Rex that you want her to know? Rex has been ill. He had an infected tooth. Oh, wow. That was the first thing he said is that Rex has been ill. <laughs> he had an infected tooth. Okay, so Rex has been ill. Um, he's fine now, but I guess it was bad. Uh, Gabe is like, it was, it was like bad. Was it on the left side? Yep. Yeah, it was on the left side. It was like, I see this picture of it. It was painful. Did you have bad tooth? It was painful. So, but Rex is fine. Okay, so Rex is a character. Rex, and what's the other cat's name? This is my love, love. That's Sienna. Okay, so Gabe is saying that Rex and Sienna are very different. Yes. They are so different. They're very different. Sienna is the scary cat, really. Um, But... Oh, she's better one-on-one. Oh, so Rex says, thanks for getting my tooth fixed. That was an inconvenient kind of thing for you, but you made it, he says, you made it happen. Cool. Rex, Rex wants you to know that. Oh, now Rex is back to food. Can I have more of something else? There's something else that you're not giving them now. He's asking for something. Do you have fish in the refrigerator? Yeah. Um, he wants some of that. He's like, will you get up and get the fish? He's like, this is a party. My beggar. I feed my animals my food off my plate, and he's my beggar. He wants. He's asking for something else, right? He's asking for fish. That's funny. He's. It's like it's a party. Like, do you have any of this? Do you mind going getting that? That's his sort of attitude. He's very. He's fun. Um, I don't know. She's gonna take care of that because we want to get to. What's the other cat's name? Sienna. Sienna. Oh. She cowers in the closet, but she goes, you should see the closet. It's not that bad. It's not what it sounds. She likes the closet. Oh, so that's like a lesson to people. When we think our animals are cowering and afraid somewhere, sometimes it's like a kid in a treehouse, and they think it's so great in their special place. So she says she likes it there. She actually got locked in the closet right before we saw her. What she wants you to know is she doesn't want you to worry about her when she's in the closet. Just let her be. Leave me be. Okay, cool. Um, If people want to find that and and go deeper with you, what do you suggest? How do they find you? How do they get your tips? Yeah. So if you want to go to petimpact.com, P-E-T, impact.com, I-M-P-A-C-T. So it's P-E-T. I am P-A-C-T.com, making an impact. Um, you can go to things. If you would like to be a client, there's an enrollment form. I do do virtual sessions. There's an enrollment form on the homepage and you just need to fill that out and um, it'll automatically get to me and we can talk about setting a date and I can give you more information on my dog training services. Um, if you would like just the PDF of the five um, proponents of love um, as it relates to training you can email me at pet impact at outlook.com perfect perfect well i love what um the seeds that you're planting of love 
in our dog training and that, and even outside of dog training, when we're just resting with our dogs, because we don't need to just do the training and then come home. It's like, okay, go sit there. It's like, it's okay to have a, a relationship. I, I sometimes, you know, say to people, well, what are you going to talk about with your dogs once you get them to sit? And, uh, there's so many more things we can do and talk about. And, um, you know, I just have conversations <laughs> with my dogs, but no yeah. kidding, kidding aside, it does make a difference. And I love that you pointed out about praising them outside of dog training and building yeah. the bond. That's so thank you. really important. Well, thank you for letting me um, speak. This was wonderful. And thank you for the reading on Gabe because um, it's just so important. I'll be honest is I, I work so much and sometimes I feel like he doesn't get the attention he needs. I try, I take him out a lot every day we spend time together, but this was just nice hearing his perspective and um, getting to spend some bonding, bonding time. With him. He was very chatty. It was interesting how much he knows and how specific he immediately went describing the dog walkers and the door and the cats. He's very soulful. And I think like when we were talking about when you have a connection outside of training with your dog, it fosters them to be more communicative. And he got right to the point and right with big ticket items that he wanted you to know. That's so awesome. Yeah. So um, Rex, do you want, you know, Rex wants the fish in the refrigerator. We're not eating salmon. Yeah, he knows it's there. He says he can smell it. Ha ha. He's funny. He's a character. Okay, so you enjoy your time talking and receiving information from them. Rex, thank you. He's like, she can go. Okay, Gabe, Gabe what a gentleman you are. We'll talk. He's like, we'll chat again. Okay, sounds good. All right. Okay, bye. Bye. So that's our show on tapping with the dogs. I hope you found it helpful. I hope that you will consider using it, whether with yourself and or your dog, to resolve those feelings that can sometimes be hard to uh, sort through and get past so that we're living our best lives. And it's such a powerful tool, tapping, that I'm just excited to share it with you. So reach out to me, Liz Murdoch, at what your dog wants to get resources on tapping, where to find Noreen, how to schedule a session with someone, just go deeper, and we're here to help. And Noble Foods, thank you for all you do for feeding our dogs and sponsoring this podcast. I'm Liz Murdoch. Have a great day.